Pastor Jim is our, is our lead pastor, and he's the one who normally preaches every Sunday, but he is on vacation. And so we get the privilege of hearing from Pastor Steve. He's our children's pastor. And so uh, give it up for Pastor Steve, everybody. Thank you, Evan. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Hey, uh, Pastor Evan was talking just briefly about our new sixth grade class. I thought I would uh, add my two cents worth. We're calling it Route 6. And it is a year set apart just for sixth graders. A little ways ago, we said, well, um, we had a vision for what this year could become. And uh, our, our plan is to bring a couple, uh, a series of things we're going to emphasize with the kids uh, this, this calendar year. One of them is to grow the kids in their understanding and depth of understanding God's word. Another thing is to grow their uh, understanding of who God is. We got to talk about that this morning. The word theology is going to become a part of their sixth grade lexicon. It'll be great. The other thing is to grow in their faith walk, in their faith journey. We're going to accomplish those things. Uh, that class led by Cindy Appleby and Dave Pelto, it's, uh, they're going to challenge the kids with uh, a lot of memory and really in-depth understanding of what it means to be a Christ follower in our culture. We're going to couple that with, we think of this year as the introduction to youth ministry, and so we want to involve the kids in uh, an evening uh, get-together. We'll have those a couple times a month, once a month, twice a month, something like that. The idea there is that it's a little bit more of a casual environment. Bring your friends, and we're going to uh, uh, have uh, more of a devotional rather than an in-depth study. We'll have a devotional, we'll have food, we'll have fun, and we'll have friends. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to that. One of our graduating sixth graders graduating fifth graders, suddenly turned into a sixth grader. Her name is Emma Adams, and I had a chance to visit with her at the family picnic a couple of weeks ago. There we were at the picnic table together, just visiting, and come to find out that Emma had just taken a trapeze class. A trapeze class. What in the world are you thinking? Are you bonkers, is what I wanted to say. I had a little more self-control than that, trying to appear calm and rational. I said, Emma, tell me about this trapeze class of yours. So according to Emma, the scary part was when they were way up in the stratosphere, standing on a little platform suspended by ropes from somewhere. Really? Anyway, the goal of the class was to show them the basics of trapeze. What's involved in that? I have no idea. But uh, the goal of the class was to work them up gradually towards the catch and release. And for you fishermen out there, I need to explain to you what this means is that the professional trapeze people were playing catch with Emma at 25,000 feet or whatever it was up there. So my question, Emma, did you fall into the net? And she said, only when I was supposed to. And I think that's a good thing. So 
Anyway, so I was getting a little stressed out just talking to Emma about this, and, uh, but she seemed pretty ho-hum about it, actually, as I think back on it. I was like, oh yeah, you know, trapeze class. It was fun. <laughs> Kids these days, I don't know. You never can tell. My conversation with Emma, though, got me started thinking about the idea of courage. Now, Emma gets an A. I give Emma an A in bravery. Bravery is a little bit, I think of it as a little differently than courage. And I would say they're related like this. Courage is being brave enough to do what you should do even when you are afraid. You guys want to tell, say that with me? One, two, ready, go. Courage. Being brave enough to do what you should do even when you are afraid. I like this group. If you sign up for trapeze lessons, you need a good amount of bravery. If you sign up to defend our country, you need courage. If you sign up to uh, protect your family, you need courage. If you sign up to be a Jesus follower in this culture, you really need courage. Back to the trapeze for just a minute. I found myself wondering about the relationship of the trapeze people and the net below. Okay, I call this, as I was thinking about it, I call it the context for bravery. If you have a big old net, then you can be brave on the trapeze. But if there is no net, or say you do have a net, and there's a big hole here, or another hole there, then parents, you might want to get your kids to try sewing, or <laughs> dance lessons, or something on, you know, terra firma instead. But this is where my mind went. This is how I think, I guess, but uh, is there a context that's conducive to courage? What we need is courage. And is there a context that's conducive to growing that kind of courage? One of the things we got to do with the kids up here this morning is uh, recite our theme verse of our Kids Life Children's Ministries. If you ever wonder, it's on that big sign back there with the trees, and you can, I can almost read it from here. It's Joshua 1.9. And it goes like this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go, wherever you go. In that verse, God commands Joshua to be courageous. God commands Joshua to be courageous. Just to be clear, I'm not calling God our safety net, thinking back here a minute. Actually, I don't believe there is a net, not for the Jesus follower. But what I'm thinking is, shouldn't there be a relationship between courage and the trustworthiness of God? All I'm saying is that God is pretty big. So shouldn't we be pretty courageous? This morning I'd like to suggest that we can grow to be courageous. We can grow our kids to be courageous in their faith as well. How can you even say that? Here's why. Because the truth is, there really is a really big God who is with us wherever we go. That's his promise. Well, each week 
uh, we have a class that meets right now in the 1045 hour. We call it base camp. During base camp, we try to encourage the kids along these lines that there is a really big God, but we teach the kids that there's this really big God is also very personal. And so we teach them the three beliefs. We go through them every week. They've probably done it already by now. But I'm here to teach you guys the three beliefs. And they go like this. I believe that God loves me. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You got to do the motions. The motions are important. They're not hard to do. I believe that God loves me. I knew I liked this group. I believe God will help me. I believe God will help me. I believe that God is here. Thank you very much. But you see how God doesn't become less big. But what we believe about God is that he's very personal. Our big God is personal. He loves me. He will help me. He is here with me wherever I go. LifePoint Church, our church family right here has this pretty huge responsibility of raising a generation of kids to have courageous faith. Notice I didn't say that when they get older, they'll have the courageous faith. Our job is to grow kids to have courageous faith now. And then someday they'll turn into sixth graders, they'll turn into youth, or they'll turn into grown-ups. And hopefully they have had this um, opportunity to grow up in a church where their faith was uh, able to be encouraged and grown in their courage as well. But it's in the context of this culture, this crazy culture of ours, which is spiraling down even as we speak. It reminded me of uh, what Paul said about his culture. Paul was a ways back. He was quite a few years ago. And his commentary on his culture was found in Philippians 2. It says this, so that he's commenting on what it means to be a Jesus follower back in Paul's day, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. So, question, how do we grow that kind of shine your light courage into the lives of our kids? Perhaps trapeze lessons isn't a bad place to start as long as, of course, the networks. But uh, we're going to look at what happened in the life of a woman named Hannah. I'm turning in my Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2. You may turn in yours as well to 1 Samuel chapter 1. There we meet this woman. Her name is Hannah. We meet her there in the pages. And uh, Hannah did something very courageous indeed. Hannah wanted to, first of all, connect to God. She wanted that for her son. She wanted her son to connect to God. In the process, she had a very courageous choice that she needed to make. All the while, God was at work in the situation. God has plans for his kingdom work that we forget to think about. And even if we tried to think about it, we probably wouldn't get it. But we need to understand that God is working. 
God is always at work with his kingdom plan, his kingdom work in mind. God had a plan, actually, that completely intertwined with this, uh, this heartfelt cry of Hannah that turned into this courageous faith. And somehow God intertwined all those things together um, for his kingdom purposes. But actually, that's a little bit ahead of the story. So we're going to back up a bit and um, begin at the beginning. And it's a little bit of a sad beginning. And it's a little bit of a hard situation for Hannah. My first point is have courage. Hannah, have courage. God is closer than you think. Some of you may one day or have in the past felt that God is nowhere in sight. Technically, that is true because we cannot see God. And so we can have that posture. God is nowhere in sight. Yes, well, what if it's just that we can't see God? I think the point is that God is closer than we think. Hannah found that out. In the first couple of verses, we learn some things about Hannah's situation. The first thing we learn is that Hannah was married without children. She really, really, really wanted children and had no children. And that was making her super sad. And we can all understand exactly why. But we're going to learn the context of why that was really a very hard situation for her. Because her situation gets worse. She had a rival. Penina is her name. Penina, we find out, is Hannah's husband's other wife. What? I know. I told you it was going to get hard. Who had, Penina had, it says in verse 5, sons and daughters. The Bible uses a word and calls Penina her rival. Now you see. Now we get it. Why this was such a hard thing for Hannah. Hannah had no children. Her rival had sons and daughters. What's more, or what's worse, is her rival, it says, verse 6, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And I wonder what she used for leverage. This went on year after year, it says in verse 7. Her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. So it's a hard situation. It's a sad situation. And, uh, but God somehow had a purpose in it that we will see. But first of all, a word about Elkanah, the husband. As husbands, us men like to enter what I call problem-solving mode. Some of us worse than, more than others. This was the case with Elkanah, Hannah's husband, Hannah's and Penina's husband, who probably in problem-solving mode and hopefully with good intentions said in verse 8, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Elkanah, he meant well, I believe. But for all his troubles, I would wonder if Hannah ended up feeling worse after her encouragement from her husband. 
saying that Hannah was miserable, I don't know if that cuts it. I think she was probably more than miserable. She had it hard, and we can understand that now. But she had a plan. Her, Hannah's plan was a simple plan, but it's a very profound plan. Hannah's plan was to connect with God. In the middle of all her troubles, she found a good listener in God. When we are in troubles, we need a good listener, and there's no better listener than God. Hannah found that out. This listening, God listening, hearing our prayers, reminded me of another passage. I'm going to switch up to the New Testament. I have it written down here, Acts chapter 17. The context, Paul is talking about, uh, he's defending the gospel and he's talking about uh, God populating the earth, filling the earth with nations, filling the, the earth with people, which includes everyone. I'm saying that it includes us too, and that it includes Hannah's situation. God, Paul writes, determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. That's why I started thinking about that. God knows our times and our places. God knows, God knew uh, that for Hannah. He knew the time and the place where Hannah would be. God knows that for you and me. He knows our times and our places, but it's not without purpose. And that's what I was thinking about. God's purpose was for us is that wherever we are, God uses our circumstances to encourage us to seek him in whatever we do, wherever we are. At sometimes, our hard situation, our miserable circumstance, points us inward. That leads to this spiral depression kind of situation. But sometimes, our hard times can point us to connect with God. And that's what Hannah chose to do. Have courage. God is closer than you think. We don't see him, but he's closer than you think. My second point, have courage. God hears and God knows. So Hannah brought her heart full of ache to God. The Bible says in a place called Shiloh. Shiloh was the location of the tabernacle, also known as the tent of meeting. Hannah needed to connect with God, so she met with God at the tent of meeting. In verse 10, it describes this meeting. In bitterness of soul, she wept, she prayed, she told God that if he would look upon your servant's misery, in verse 11, remember her, not forget her, but give her a son, then she would give her son to the Lord all the days of his life. Our lives can get complicated, perhaps not as complicated as Hannah's. But sometimes we think, God, this is even too complicated for you. It's never that complicated. But Hannah was, Hannah's was. It was an emotional. Uh, it was a maternal. It was a relational. It was even a psychological. It was 
a very hard situation in all these different ways. She had a husband who probably loved her, but he was unable to help. Uh, Eli, the priest we meet in these pages, he was unable really to help. She had one place to go, but it was a good place. She could only go to God. And that is where she turned. The Bible says, in verse 19, that the Lord remembered her. God heard Hannah's prayer. She gave birth to a son, long story short. She named her son Samuel. But listen, Samuel, the meaning of the name is heard of God. Heard of God. In verse 20, she said her name, his name is Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. He, she asked the Lord for him. So she named him Samuel. As Katie Myrick, who has a son named Samuel, says Samuel means answer to prayer. I love that. Pastor Evan was mentioning our life groups, that we are going to be ramping up to our life groups. Uh, my wife, Rosie, and I host a life group. And uh, I'm thinking back to uh, late spring, early summer, and we had a number of things on our prayer list. I just wanted to share a couple of those situations with you. There was a complicated situation. Uh, some of you know Joanna and George Waldenga. The, their lease was not being renewed. Um, our prayer the prayer request was for a new house, a move in a month and a half. And did I mention that George is deployed on the other side of the planet? And so Joanna and her three kids uh, shared with us this prayer request. And there's so many details to share, but suffice it to say that in a month and a half, God provided a new house and a move, and they were in and ready to go. And uh, we were thinking, did that just happen? It really floored us that God would answer our prayers so thoroughly, so specifically. All the while we were praying for that, we were praying for another situation with uh, uh, Garrett and Rebecca uh, Strunks and their situation that they shared. It was um, without going into all the details, but it was it was a frightening situation. It was uh, a legal ramifications. It was a financial uh, strain. It was a job-related thing. It was a very stressful thing. God answered those prayers in such a way that where there was fear and there was stress, God brought joy and peace. And I hope you can appreciate that without knowing all the, all the little details. But we are going, whoa. All the while we were praying for those two things, we were praying for... Another situation, which all I can say was uh, it was a super sad situation. It was uh, Katie Myrick's prayer request, and it was um, someone in real dire need of healing. And as she explained the situation, I'm thinking, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think this is going to be a good answer to prayer. Uh, we prayed for for her request, though, and. Um, 
and God, <laughs> God brought healing where I didn't think he would. There, I said it. I didn't think God would do that. And despite my lack of faith, uh, he did. And so all around the room, God was answering our prayers, all except for the sale of the Borges' house. Todd and Leslie Borges are in our group, and the military was moving them to North Carolina. And the time was short, and they said, we would just really like to sell our house. And um, the military didn't give them much time. And I remember talking to uh, Todd on the telephone, and it was like the moving day wasn't going to change. And it was getting sooner and sooner and sooner. Talking with Todd on the phone, he's saying, you know, they had a open house last weekend in our neighborhood. And so multiple open houses in our little neighborhood, multiple realtors and companies, and not one customer came to a single open house in their neighborhood. And talking to Todd, I could tell he was discouraged. Talking to Todd, I could tell that Steve was discouraged. And it would seem like God was answering all these prayers, except for what I called the easiest one. And I wasn't able to make sense of it. So I'm in this uh, kind of spiritual state of stress. <laughs> anyway, the very next morning, I got a text message from Leslie. It says, thank you, prayer warriors. We just got an offer on our house. We are just a little life group. We weren't prayer heroes but we prayed together and God in his mercy and wisdom uh, brought answers to prayer. It was, we were very, so very thankful. We were humbled in the middle of all that. I remember being encouraged by something and it was, I'm with, God, um, answers to prayer are hugely encouraging. But the way I thought of it was God not only answered our prayers, he heard our prayers. God heard our prayers. God heard our prayers. And there's something about being heard, isn't there? And if we think about it, the time that we know that God knows is the time when the stress can start to roll off. My takeaway from that was that God answers prayer, but God hears prayers too. Hannah had prayed a heartfelt prayer, and God had heard. God had heard Hannah, and it changed her perspective on things. God became personal. God became what I like to call a little more God-sized. Here's my third point. Have courage and live like God is big. At um, last summer, a year ago, last summer, we had a LifePoint campout. And I remember we had the kids and everybody around the campfire. And I said, kids, help me out. Here's a question for you. How big is God? And I had them fill in the blank. God is so big. And that was the blank they had to figure out. So we had some suggestions. And my favorite one was Raymond Yepes. And this is what he said. God is so big, he scoops ice cream with the Big Dipper. 
I go, now that is God-sized right there. I loved it. And so, so back to Samuel. Samuel is, is weaned. He's about three years old, and the big day comes for Hannah to bring Samuel to Shiloh to fulfill the promise that she had made to God, bringing her little guy to be mentored by the priests. Why? To connect him to God, right? The courage to do that, I think, is absolutely amazing. Where does that kind of courage come from? Here's what I think. I think Hannah's courage in faith was proportional to how God had revealed himself to her in her prayer. God had become great. God had become big. God had become more trustworthy to Hannah because she felt heard and she had an answer to prayer that she couldn't deny. Really, what we're saying is that that was the context for her courage. The context for her courage was understanding God's faithfulness. And we get that looking at chapter 2. Time after time in this passage, it refers to um, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. In the NIV ESV translations, you'll see Lord in all caps. That refers to the holy name of God, Yahweh. It is the answer to Moses' question of God, what's your name? And his name means, I am that I am. And so time after time in this passage, that's how Hannah refers to God, the Lord, it says. So her heartfelt prayer was answered by the God who is that he is. She was just so sad and overcome by her circumstances that perhaps she wasn't understanding the size of God she was talking to. But now that's the curtains starting to spread and she's able to understand a little bit. From chapter two we see of uh, uh, how big God is. She never wanted to forget that this was, this was the God who had heard her prayer. That's why she named her son Samuel. Her answer to prayer, her constant reminder that God hears God surely heard her. Well, I didn't know what in the world to call this sermon. So I, I said, what about this? What might happen if you really understood that God hears your prayer? For Hannah, it changed the way she looked at the whole world. And in, we're in chapter two now, just summarizing it. Hannah was praying another prayer. Conspicuously absent is mention of Samuel. Here's the big day, bringing Samuel to Shiloh to leave him there. And she doesn't mention Samuel in the prayer. In the next chapter, there's this great reference, because I don't think Hannah ever forgot Samuel. I think she prayed for him constantly. Uh, there's, I love the reference in chapter 3, verse 19. It says that, Every year, Hannah would make Samuel a little robe and bring it to him. So I don't think that's the point of this passage, that Hannah just forgot all about him. That's not true in the slightest. But uh, it seems like on the big day, on the day Sa uh, Samuel was brought to Shiloh, that Hannah wanted her prayer to be a little more God-sized prayer. And 
it gives us a, a little insight into the, her change of her worldview. Perhaps it gives us some insight into how our worldview needs to change as well. Can't have, don't have time to read the whole thing, but I picked out verse 2 and 3. I wanted to read that to you. It gives us a flavor of what's going on. And this is what it says. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. And she offers us some counsel here. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance for the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. It's like she's understanding that God is big. God hears our prayers and it's overwhelming to understand that. And so don't let there be arrogant words in my mouth, Lord. Don't let there be pride in my heart, God, because... She has a new appreciation for how big a God just heard her prayer. That reminded me of something Jesus was saying. Jesus talked about prayer. I looked at a verse in Matthew chapter 6, and this is what it said. Jesus is saying, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. The Lord is a God who knows. So we should pray accordingly. In our words of our prayer, God already knows. So how do we go about talking to him? It's, we should live our lives accordingly. We should live our lives according to Understanding that this is a God we serve, a God who knows. To sum up the prayer, this is what I wrote down. God does what he pleases because he is the Lord. Enough said. I like, though, what the ESV says in verse 8. This is how he puts it. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. I love that. It's like, uh, reminds me of the question I asked Raymond how big is God? God is so big, the pillars of the earth are his. That creates a visual image in my mind where it's so easy for me to see that everything, absolutely everything, comes under the authority of God. Hannah wanted Samuel to connect with God. God also had this awesome plan using Hannah's desire as a parent using Samuel's willingness to be mentored. And God had this plan that would uh, use Samuel in a mighty way to impact his whole generation for God. But we don't do exactly what Hannah did. Not exactly. Not anymore. We don't actually have an internship program for aspiring three-year-olds. But if we did, I'd want to hire Lucas Stronks today. I love that kid. But we do bring, think about it with me, we do bring our kids through the kids' life uh, gate, through the kids' life doors every week. Why? Because God's put it in our heart to help our children connect to God. What's more, God has plans that maybe we should think about more than we do. God has plans, not only for you and me, God has plans in his kingdom work 
in his kingdom purposes for the very kids that walk through the kid's life gate every week. Hannah couldn't do that by herself for Samuel. We cannot do that by ourselves either. But we can do it together as a church family. That's where I like to think of it in terms of this enormous responsibility of raising this next generation to be courageous in their faith, to represent Jesus in their culture, is not one family's responsibility. It's the responsibility God has given us as a church family. Kids need the daily habit of uh, understanding God's word in their home, in the context of their home. True. Kids also need the weekly commitment to coming together as a church family of faith, a family community of believers so that kids get it when they see that it's not just mom and dad what they say. It's this whole community of believers that has said we are following Jesus with our lives is too. Kids need to be introduced to what it means to walk the Jesus road of faith in the context of their home. Kids also need the context of their church family, this community of believers to understand what does it mean to walk the Jesus road of faith. Both are essential. Both are important. This is really big. It's a big deal. More big. More big? Bigger than perhaps you know. And that's what Kids Life, Children's Ministries, is all about. That's why we have a Kids Life team. It needs a team. Each person contributes. Some teach, some do administration, some shepherd. Everyone loves, everyone leads. We need this again, as the responsibility of our church family. Why? Well, because God has gifted each one of us. He doesn't give all the gifts to one person. He spreads them out. And so we need to be cooperative in managing, managing, uh, managing our gifts, abilities, and strengths. And this is how we, uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, encouraging those uh, the church in his day to um, use their gifts accordingly. From him, it says, Ephesians 4.16, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I would like to invite you, if you've never thought about it before, to serve in the unique way that God has gifted you. To serve, it's not without purpose. God gives us gift. God gives us gifts, talents, abilities to the end that we would build each other up in love, in our faith. To do that with this next generation of kids, we need that as a mindset as a church family. That's all I'm saying. If you'd like to talk to me about um, serving in kids' life, I would love to talk to you. Uh, Evan mentioned the Connect card. Fill that out. Put kids' life on there. I'd like to talk a little bit more, and we can set up a time to do that. But I want to show you a great picture of this in action. It was our kids' camp week. It was the last couple days of July 
the first couple days of August, a couple weeks ago, we had prayed. Speaking of prayer, we had prayed that God would send us 60 kids. Ah, God sent us 60 kids. It was a cool answer to prayer. God also put it on the hearts of many folks to come and form this really cool team of volunteers. Some volunteers came from out of town. Some took a week of vacation to serve the kids there. And there's so many, <laughs> so many little job descriptions. We had um, some, uh, some invited their friends. Some gave uh, scholarship money, which ended up being so important. And some were playing games. Some came early to haul stuff, and some stayed late to haul stuff. And some uh, did crafts, and some took pictures, and some cooked hot dogs and made awesome snacks and uh, shepherded kids. And it was all really for one reason. Five mornings to serve families, to love and lead kids, and tell them that there's a God who's revealed himself through his word. That week, we called it the Book of Books, the coolest book on the planet. And we've got a little slideshow we want to show you. The Book of Books, the coolest book on the planet. Here are a couple action steps as we wrap up our time together today. Ask the question, what can we do as families? I'd encourage you as a family to connect with God. This will grow your understanding that God is a big God who's a personal God as you understand that God answers our prayers, but he also hears our prayers. What can we do as a church family? I want to encourage us to think in these terms, to serve together alongside each other in the huge task of raising the next generation of kids to have courageous faith. It's not a one-person job. It needs the whole church family to be a part of this. So I invite you to serve along with us in our Kids Life team, with me and our awesome volunteers. Pastor Evan mentioned that there's a Connect card Write your name on there. Let me know. We'll connect. That would be awesome. Consider being a part of God's kingdom work. Think in those terms. You and your kids here in our life church community, our family. One way, two ways. First way, think about it in terms of our Togo missions. One of the pictures we saw on the slideshow was of Ashley Seiler. She's our... Uh, missionary to children in Togo. And we have an offering opportunity, the uh, Togo offering boxes. You'll see them scattered around. And um, it, kids and families give generously to that. We had a special offering at our kids' camp. We raised over $150, all made out of pennies, nickels, and dimes. That's a lot of coinage. But it all added up to a huge amount that uh, went right to Teaching supplies was the prayer request and um, for teaching the kids in Togo, the three church plants there. Uh, Nouvelle Vie is the first one with Pastor Jonas. Uh, uh, the second church is La Solution with Pastor Ben. The third one is just planting now, even as we speak this summer. And it's a Grace Church, Grasse, Grasse Church in 
Pastor Malulu. So we are praying for them each week in our kids' life and uh, invite you guys to, to come alongside your kids and embrace that with them as well as we have a new project. We had it last year, really fun. It's called Operation Christmas Child. Send a shoebox full of Christmas presents to a child in a third world country. Uh, Catherine Metzger is helping me do that. You'll be learning more about it in the coming weeks. As you come alongside the kids of our church family in these opportunities, use that time, leverage that time to help them understand the size of God, how big God is, and yet, how much he loves each of us, how much he loves the children of the world. It's, it takes a moment to think, how can we be thinking in terms of God's kingdom work, not just watching the Seahawks, which is going to happen all in good time. Anyway, my, my question is, what might happen if we understood, really, that God hears our prayers? I think it might change the way we look at things, might change our worldview, our God view. It reminds me of one time I saw a Mini Cooper parked in a garage, and the Mini Cooper had a little bumper sticker, actual size. <laughs> I loved it. And the answer to our question, how big is God? The answer can only be God's actual size is only God's size. We need to understand that God is God's size. So maybe that's where our worldview needs adjusting this morning. Maybe so. How can we grow our kids to include a courageous faith? Here's an answer. Maybe you never thought of. We need to be growing our courageous faith if we want to see our kids grow in theirs. How big is God? God is so big, the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, but so are the pillars of your family. Those are God's too. The pillars of Life Point Church are God's, God's alone. Thinking about that, though, should impact how we parent our kids. It should impact how we serve alongside each other each week. It should, serve, it should impact the way we live next to our neighbor. God is a God-sized God, and yet he's really personal. We live in a culture that's really crazy. And so I'll land the plane here by reminding us that it's good to know that in this crazy culture of ours that God loves me and God will help me and God is here. And if we believe that, I think it'll change how you look at things, how you look at what it means to be a Christ follower in our culture, how you look at what it means to be a Christ follower here at LifePoint Church. And I think also it'll help you grow yourself to grow your courageous faith. Would you pray with me? Thank you, God, so much for the opportunity today to be together, to enjoy each other's company, to enjoy pointing each other to remember that we enjoy the company of God too. God, you're so amazing and yet you are so personal. You hear our prayers and you answer them according to your will. That gives us so much encouragement. We're so glad to be loved by you. I pray that as a church, we'd represent you well in this culture and we need so much each other. To spend time with others who love you too makes all the difference for us and for our kids. 
we commit these things to you, thanking you in Jesus' name. Amen.